the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon, and welcome to the Friday edition of The Ride Home. Apparently, uh, the pre-snow edition, right? People are a little freaked out. Are we getting one inch, four inches, we probably don't, more? We probably don't get much. This is probably going to be a media creation. Doesn't look like much going on right now, does it? Really it really doesn't. No. And no. So I choose to think, plus tonight's the night on the boat, and exactly. I'm psyched up about it. Although I like the idea of being on the boat with a snow squall. So do I. Right? But I don't like the idea of making my way from the boat to the car after in the snow squall. It's a short distance. I've, it's brought, like we're going. I've brought two pairs of shoes. Really? Really? Okay. I get that right. Yeah. I brought a pair of um, muckalucks. Did you? Going to just slide up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about a toboggan? <laughs> <laughs> Something. Woo-hoo! There you go. Tonight is the uh, Word FM cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boat leaves at 6.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. We're super excited. Uh, I hope you're excited and perhaps making your way down even now. Very nice. Uh, if snow would fall, would you go like upstairs on the top deck and throw a snowball at the city? No. Thank no, you please. for asking. That'd be kind of no. fun, wouldn't it? I don't. I am a total stick in the mud. I, I don't like this about myself. But, and so I'm acknowledging that it, I hate being outside in the snow. What? I hate playing in the snow. What? I hated playing in the snow when I was a kid. Really? Oh, man. There's nothing <laughs> about it I like. Well, at least you ad- 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 admit that it's, you were sticking in the mud. It's obviously cold. That, you know Wet. that smell of like sweat when you've been out in the cold? Yeah, you sure. know, like cold sweat? I That's hate it. that smell. Really? So then you I, never wore bread bags over your shoes. Oh, yeah, right? I did. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, I did. A little town talk. Oh, for sure I did. <laughs> yeah, but that was on the way to the bus stop. That right. wasn't really for playing outside. So you didn't go out and like make a I, snowman? I did. I mean, I did it several times because you have to do it. Sure. But I didn't really like it. Hmm. I was excited to get back in. And All right. So anyway, I hope that you're going to be with us tonight. And yes. uh, really, it doesn't seem like it's that big And a is deal. it too early for me to tell you, John, tell your weekend has begun. Oh, fabulous. That's two woohoos in less than three minutes. That's right. Yeah, it's just a few minutes past the four o'clock hour, at least in this corner of the world. At this particular second, all is right and well. Very nice. Several guests on our show today, John, mm-hmm. are going to be guests of the CCO, putting on the Jubilee Conference nice. this weekend down at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. So we're really looking forward to that. Jubilee kicks off tonight. I'll be there. It's a conference for college students, but not just college students. Mm-mm. It's a conference for everyone. So uh, if you want to hear some terrific teaching, some fabulous breakout sessions, and see a lot of wonderful students oh, in the go downtown. Too. And don't forget... Byron's bookstore. Stop on by. I'm Hearts real, and minds. I'm just so I'm so dissociated mm-hmm. that I, I I don't know what's happening that I, you know I can't go and so I'm not thinking clearly. You have duty calls. I mean you know I life know. gets in the way. It's a birthday right? party for so, my so daughter who I love. Anyway, uh, so that's that. It's gonna be a great next two hours. Excellent. All right. So without further ado, uh, the news stories. A brutal day here. Kath, please give us the top four at four. For Friday, February sixteenth, twenty twenty four. Number one. 
Alexei Navalny, a fierce anti-corruption campaigner who galvanized Russia's political opposition, has died in prison, bringing to an end a life dedicated to fighting the country's descent into authoritarianism under President Vladimir Putin. The cause of his death was still being established, said prison authorities. Boy... Let's try to guess, Mm -hmm. right? He collapsed after a walk at his prison colony today, after which they said he lost consciousness and could not be revived. Alexei Navalny, who was only 47 years old, has been in jail since 2021 and was serving three prison sentences amounting to more than 30 years on charges he and his supporters say were fabricated. He was detained after returning from Germany where he was recovering from what German doctors said was a poisoning with a Soviet-era nerve agent. Navalny blamed his poisoning on the Kremlin, which denied involvement in any attempt to harm him. I mean... Uh, you know, ahead of the presidential, and I'm putting this in air quotes, the presidential election next month in Russia, uh, in which Putin's going to, you know, of course, give himself a fifth term. Navalny was his last opposition. Yep. Silence that's, all that's detractors, it. right? That's it. And the whole world, all of us around the world can look at that. We can know what happened and none of us can do anything but about it. But there are many here in the U.S. who go, oh, Putin, good guy. <laughs> In remarks today, our president said he had no reason to doubt the reports of Navalny's death, whom he praised for bravery and put the blame squarely on Mr. Putin. Make no mistake, Biden said. Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. You can read more about that at today's Wall Street Journal. That is so sad, John. Number two. Two juveniles have been charged with crimes connected to the shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl party, the Bally the Parade that was happening on Friday. A news or on Monday, pardon me. A news release from the Jackson County Family Court said the juveniles are being detained in the county's juvenile detention center on gun-related and resisting arrest charges. Uh, additional charges are anticipated. No further info was released. A mother of two was killed. 22 people were injured by gunfire when shots erupted amid the throng of fans gathered at the rally outside Union Station after a parade through the city. Police Chief Stacy Graves said victims ranged from ages 8 to 47, with half of them under the age of 16. It's from today's AP. Number three. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin announced today he will not run for the presidency in 2024. Manchin squashed speculation about the presidential campaign during an event at West Virginia University during which he recounted his political career. The senator said the collapse of a border security deal negotiated in the Senate earlier this month contributed to his belief that change cannot be made from Washington. That's from today's CBS News. And number four, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved Zolaire as the first and only medicine for people with one or more food allergies after the clinical trial data for the injectable asthma medication showed that it helped people curb food-related allergic reactions. And that is your top four. A four. All right. That's good news, right? That is good news, sure. I yeah, think yeah. it is. All right, we'll take a quick break, come back. We're just getting underway with a Friday edition of The Ride Home. Stay with us. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's Word FM. Some people tune in for the game. Other people tune in for the commercials. If you're fortunate, you tune in for both. And last night, I think it was a great mix of the game and the commercials. However, last night during the game, there was not one, but two He Gets Us commercials that aired. And of course, as with He Gets Us, always controversy follows Mm -hmm. along. 
Well, Mike Cosper is with us. Mike is the founder of Harbor Media, director of podcasting for Christianity Today, host of Cultivated, a podcast about faith and work and the acclaimed The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Also, Mike's the author of Faith Among the Faithless, learning from Esther how to live in a world gone mad. So, Mike, uh, you knew the He Gets Us ad was going to be coming. Um, Did you have any thoughts about it? I guess I should ask you historically how you feel about the He Gets Us thing. You know, I've I've always sort of appreciated what they're doing. I think um, this idea of, you know, using commercials and marketing to to sort of reintroduce Jesus, uh, reintroduce God as a, a compassionate character at a time when, you know, uh, the culture so polarized, so politically polarized, so religiously polarized, uh, has been a has been a good effort. It's been a smart effort, and so yeah, I was aware the commercials were coming. I, I actually didn't see it until watching the game, and um, my reaction to it was I thought it was uh, you know I thought it was mostly harmless. I thought it was I thought it was kind of lovely. So um, I thought the reaction to it was pretty comical actually <laughs> okay why well, okay why comical no wait uh, d- describe the people who missed oh, it right, describe the yeah. commercial kathy yeah okay so the commercial is um it's 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 the foot washing except that it's Correct. not jesus and the disciples it is different sets of two throughout the whole commercial spot modern day world modern day world and different people are washing different people's feet so at one point there is uh and i i, I hate to even use the uh, the you know ethnic descriptions because that's what people are such so hot about but i guess that's what i have to say so there's a white woman at one point who's washing uh an islamic woman's feet mm-hmm. they're outside a a uh, an abortion clinic there is a white woman who's washing the feet of a of a young woman who's sitting on the stoop there um there's oh there there's a mr rogers portion where there's a black guy and a white guy who both have their feet in the same pool together right but but the, mm-hmm. the overall thrust is people's feet are being washed right, right? Yes. There's a welcoming right. atmosphere here. Now, this caused a firestorm, Mike. Yeah, it did, and I think I think you know people on the political right um, were have called out the fact that basically every every person whose feet were being washed, or for the most part, the the large majority of the people whose feet were being washed were you know, representative of groups that are historically or, or, or traditionally in in mainstream media represented as uh, marginalized in some sort of way, whether they're uh, religious minorities or part of the LGBTQ community or, or something like that. And so you saw a lot of reaction to that um, with, I think, people thinking, well, Jesus would also have confronted people in their sin or talk, you know, the fact that how come, you know, he, there was nobody in the commercial being whose feet were being washed wearing a MAGA hat or, or something, you know, something like that, which... <laughs> You know, even that critique in particular, I, I'm kind of like, well, I, that would be fine. Sure. Like, go make your own commercial. That, that'd be great. <laughs> right, you know, right, right. Like, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, but what I think he gets us was trying to do was was actually sort of trying to reach to these these people who have often have been marginalized yes. by the church, That's have the been whole demonized point of the ad, by I the think. church. But the overriding thing for me, what I heard was, well, this is heretical. These people are active in their sin, and Jesus would not be with the active sinners. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I just find that very funny. I just find that very, uh, uh, very ignorant of the Gospels, mm-hmm. where Jesus is so often eating eating with sinners yeah. and um, uh, washing the feet of sinners, washing the feet of people who didn't understand who he was as Lord. Like, um, 
they were, you know, Peter, Peter had declared Jesus Lord a few days before uh, the, he washed his feet, but he had also called him Satan a few days before he washed his feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this was, you know, the, the mercy of God in, in the Gospels is evident in the way that he pursues sinners yeah. and, and pours out grace towards sinners. And so I think that was well represented in the ad. And, uh, you know, I think that both on the one hand, the reaction from conservatives that were upset about that, and, and then there were other people who were upset saying, well, why didn't you, you know, take that money and give it to the poor? It's right. like, man, everybody just needs to go read the Book of John again yeah, and, right. and before you comment on this thing. Yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of that. Oh, you spent $7 million or $50 million or whatnot. You should have fed the hungry and housed the poor, right? I mean, Well, he gets us as a food relief organization. That's not their organization, yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, Christians spend, you know, Christians spend their money on all kinds of things all the time. If you if you pulled together the amount of money that Christians spend on various forms of entertainment or on um, platforming themselves on Instagram and social media and all this kind of stuff, we could get outraged about yeah. all kinds of the ways, people, yeah. you know, Christians are spending their money. For sure. Um, and so, so I, I mean, again, I, I, I think asking questions about stewardship and the wisdom of it and all of this is is uh is worthwhile but i also think there's just sort of a, a reflection of the way the the internet and and polarization has just sort of rotted people's brains so that they can't yeah, just look at right. this thing and say man it's this is a beautiful thing that somebody is just trying to remind people you know hey jesus loves you uh jesus <laughs> through through his church he wants to wash your feet yes and, um, and enjoy your wings. For a reason to be angry. <laughs> right. right, yeah. <laughs> Mike Cosper is with us. He is the host of Cultivated, a podcast about faith and work and the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Um, he's also the director of podcasting for Christianity Today. And we're talking about the ad that aired during the Super Bowl from He Gets Us. Um, you know, I, I didn't even know I, I wasn't online during the Super Bowl because I, want, <laughs> I wanted to be happy. And uh, so <laughs> it wasn't until later that I even saw what. What, uh, what all the flap was about it. And, you know, I th the first thing I thought was, well, a bunch of people are offended about foot washing and the disciples were offended about foot washing. Right. right. And so this is good. Like this is a good space. It's a weird thing and it doesn't seem right. And it kind of jolts us out of where we are. And so when I look at it, I think the ad was like supremely effective. Mm hmm. I, I think so too, and and I think and I think even the aesthetic of the ad, like I think mm -hmm. they, it seemed to me they deliberately made this choice for it to look sort of like those um, you know those velvet velvet paintings that you see at sure. yard sales yeah. and you know the velvet Elvises. There was an, there was there was, some, there was a sort of nostalgia and uh, and and uh, uh, a familiarity to that that I thought was very very clever on its own. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I I, I appreciated it, and I, I'm I just think it's unfortunate, you know, it's, it's the the cliche like we just can't have nice things. It's it's like the outrage over you know uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Uh, like, can we just can we just be normal for a few hours and yeah. enjoy a football game and um, not look for reasons to be enraged? Exactly. I mean, you know, you, you see like um, people will post stuff. Oh, this is like the 1970s or this is like the 1990s before we all had phones in our hands and people mm -hmm. look different. There, There's a reaction that's different. Now we're just mm -hmm. all caught up in outrage and finger yep. pointing and yep. it's made us so tiny and tight and angry and really, really, really weird. Yeah. 
I think that's right. I think it's right because we've because again, like if you want um, if you want engagement online, look for controversy. Right. Look for something to be upset about. Uh, people who are people who are happy and well adjusted are, are not looking for are not looking to be affirmed through clicks yeah. and and likes and all of that. And so, yeah, it speaks to something else about where we are as a culture and. I think this includes the church. That's, but that's but, rather but unfortunate. Isn't it is true though? I mean, that, and you saw this because you know I, I reached out to you in real time. There are people going, and, and even today, this is heretical. These ads are heretical, and people are writing you know commentaries and essays about the deep brutality of the falseness of the Christian gospel. And these are you know established Christian leaders, people who run churches or ministries. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't read the critiques in in detail. I can imagine what's in them. Um, again, it's 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 like anything. It's it's. Uh, I, I was texting a friend about it, and I, I said, you know, I I don't I don't know when it was that we expected. Uh, like, how do, how would we have arrived at a place where we expected a sixty second commercial? To present a a full Christology, right, right. For, for for the theology of Jesus, you know, and if if that's the standard, like, well, just forget ever communicating anything in a in a pithy way or in a short way about the gospel to anybody. Yeah. Like, get rid of your bumper stickers, get rid of your Christian T-shirts, because they're all going to be, you know, they're all going to be an error in right. some in some form because you can't qualify everything enough. Um, and for I sure, think, get rid of your music. Right. Right. Because that's going to lead um, everybody astray, and don't write a poem. Right. Or don't read a parable without right? you know, yeah. taking an hour to explain it afterwards. Um, um, I, I think God is much more comfortable with the, with, with the realization that in his providence, you know, a, a commercial might provoke something that leads to a conversation yeah. that leads to a relationship and, and, and leads to him. And, and I, I think that's the whole concept here that is again i think it's a it's a worthy idea and um uh, assess it on its merits but uh, assessing it on uh, you know as, as it is is just quite funny to me it is oh now i really like that parable thing you said i hadn't considered that um as as a comparison but the jesus didn't explain every parable um some he did, but some he didn't, and kind of left people wondering. And right. that's exactly what this is. It, it's just left people. It left me wondering. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I saw the spot, and I was like, wow. What's going on there? What, yeah, it, it made me think. Now, we've had the He Gets Us people um, on our show several times, and that's what they've said repeatedly, is, look, we're not trying to present uh, you know, a an immersive Christology to the general a sports, uh, uh, you know, the American sports public. What we're trying to do is just to get people talking. That's all it is. We're just trying to get people talking. But it, clearly they did. But because, you know, at least people wanting and, you know, we live in, in less of a Christian country or people don't know the gospel than they did in the past. People fall into these rabbit holes and think it's a conspiracy. Who are these but people? But that's still good, right? To have the conversation. You, you don't think it is? I'm not sure. Because now you, what, what I read now online, Kath and Mike, is people are like, who are the people behind these ads? It must be some shadow organization and they're up to no good, which, which is where we are. Right. Well, and but everything gets interpreted that way. I mean, again, like the Super Bowl itself was was interpreted that way. That it was, you know, it was all scripted and it was all planned. Oh, right, and Taylor right, Swift right. Was involved in all of this. I mean, it's right. we we can't we can't sort of let a, a day go by where there isn't some it's conspiracy. Um, we're, yeah, we're looking for some we're looking for some grand narrative behind things rather than 
you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm very fond of the idea that, like, the, the biggest reason why conspiracy theories are nonsense is because we're really bad at keeping secrets. And, right. um, you know, the idea that the, idea that the, that the NFL could keep uh, its script a secret for an entire yeah, season, you know, until the last minute, it's just, just silly. But the same thing kind of goes, goes here. You know, the, the idea of sort of hidden agendas and all of that, what are they really trying to do and all of that. I mean, I think they're spending a whole, whole lot of money for a very simple message yeah. that is meant to then, you know, if you follow the websites and various things, like it's meant to then connect you to churches. It's right. been meant to connect you to other people. And, um, I, you know, I, again, I don't know the organization well enough to, to, to judge how perfectly they're doing that. I'm sure they're they're doing the best they can, and, and, um, and they're probably doing so imperfectly. But, but it's... Uh, to me, it seems like a, a gesture of love for neighbor and um, for, for the church to not be encouraged by that and, and welcoming of that. I just I, I think it's a bummer. It's a, it's a real bummer. Yeah. It is time now for this or that. I've got a list. Kath has a list. We're just going to go at it right now. Kath. The Pittsburgh Lenten fish fry. Yeah. The Pittsburgh cookie table. Oh, gosh. I have to say the cookie table. Mm-hmm. In lieu of this evening's festivities, the Titanic, <laughs> Edmund, the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, John. Uh, but neither. Um, <laughs> hard to choose, but I really don't like that song, the Edmund Fitzgerald song. Oh. Uh, so I'm going Titanic. All right. The B-25 in the Mon. Yeah. The giant rubber ducky at River's Oh, Edge. the rubber ducky. I love that Urge. thing. The Gateway Clipper. The good ship lollipop. Uh, Gateway Clipper. Yep. Moby Dick. The old man in the sea. I didn't like either one of them. What? You don't like a mermaid? I didn't really like either story. I'm going to go with the old man in the All sea. Right. All right. In a pirate voice, shiver me timbers. <laughs> in a pirate voice... Walk the plank. Uh, shiver me timbers. Wait, no I pirate mean, voice? That's just silly, though. No, I like the pirate voice. In a pirate voice, there she blows. In a pirate voice, batten down the hatches. I think there she blows. No pirate voice? I, I can't really do that. In a pirate I voice? Can't, I can't do pirate voices good. Land ho. <laughs> in a pirate voice. Yo ho ho in a bottle of rum. Um, I'll go with the bottle of rum. All right. Captain Jack Sparrow. Captain Gavin McLeod. Gavin McLeod mm. every day of the week. Captain Hook. Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Wait. The SS Minnow. The Yellow Submarine. Uh, SS Minnow. Long John Silver. Popeye the Sailor. Uh, oh, Long John Silver. You know, I used to I used to love that fish and chicken meal. Mm-hmm. Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. Raise the Jolly Roger. Oh, raise the Jolly Roger. All right, Roger. okay, very nice. Pitchers and catches have yes, reported for are. crying out loud. That's my this or that. Right. Seaworthy. I like that seaworthy one a lot. Um, mine is more personal, John. Okay. It's the I have to buy a new car edition. Hey, oh. Of this or that. Because it has to happen. You know it has to happen. Soon and yeah. very soon. And I, you know, I'm not really into car- cars. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Number one, the car, John, your parents had when you were growing up mm-hmm. or the car you have right now? <laughs> The car right now, <laughs> by far and away. <laughs> buying tires on Craigslist yeah. or buying a, a car battery on Marketplace? <laughs> buying a battery on Marketplace. That's pretty sad, so it's safer. Right? Uh, wiper fluid or car air freshener? 
Mm, wiper fluid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, emergency snacks in the glove box? Yeah. Or playing cards in the glove box? No. I, now, I keep both of those in the glove really? box, and my family mocks me. Right emergency there. snacks. Okay. Been there, used them. Okay. SUV or sedan? SUV. Subaru or a Mazda? Subaru. A clean exterior of the car or a clean interior? Both, please. Nope. This or that, John. A clean interior. Podcast or audiobook? Audiobook. Music or silence? Silence. <laughs> Honda CRV or Toyota RAV4? Honda CRV. Leather seats or cloth seats? Leather. Really? Mm-hmm. Heated seats or remote starter? Heated seats. Really? Mm-hmm. Automatic or stick? Stick. Sirius XM radio or CD player? CD player. Power seat adjustment or manual seat adjustment? Power seat. Isn't that better? Love it. It just is. Sunroof or rear window wiper? Sunroof. You don't like that rear window wiper. I don't understand. The sunroof's everything. I don't understand that about you. Forget. You think the sunroof is everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I think it changes, changes the feel your, of the car. Everything. It changes. Even when you drive at night, do you still open it? Yep. I do, too. I love it. It's just better. Minivan or regular-sized SUV? Minivan. Okay. Toyota Sienna. Oh, that's sweet. Scooby-Doo minivan or the Partridge Family Bus? Partridge Family Bus. <laughs> Come on, everyone. There's a song we'll be singing. There's a lot that Come can happen. Come on, get in it. happy. Yeah. Uh, Chips or Starsky and Hutch? Starsky and Hutch. Now, do you remember Chips? Oh, yeah, sure. Do you? Yeah. Um, uh, Eric Estrada. Yeah. And so that, that's exactly. Ponch and John. Okay. That was their names. Yeah. yeah. Starsky and Hutch, though. That really? car? Well, oh, that, it's a cool car. That was kind of an ugly car. No, it was cool. Okay. Uh, I had a crush on John. Yeah. On whoever, you know, whoever played John. Yeah, yeah. I really liked him a lot. Uh, speaking of crushes, Magnum P.I.'s Ferrari or Bullet's Green Mustang? <laughs> the Green Mustang. Isn't that the uh, most gorgeous That scene, that chase scene, the greatest chase. You, you can ever. watch that 50 times Okay, in a speaking row. of, the yep. Bullet Car Chase yep. or the French Connection Car uh, Both excellent, chase. both excellent. The Bullet Car Chase. Isn't that so good? Yeah. The Bullet Car Chase, John, or the Italian Job Car Chase? Still, the Bullet Car Chase. Okay. The Italian job car chase or the French Connection car chase? French Connection. Okay. Sitting in the back cargo part of the station wagon because you're smallest or sitting on the armrest on the front seat (laughs) because you're the smallest? Both. I love them both. Yeah, you got to pick. Sitting in the back of the car seat. Way in the back. Because the the other one is so dangerous. No, there you you are. It's like independent. A car that leaks oil at an irregular rate or a car that gets totaled inside the Squirrel Hill Tunnel? The total. Bring it. So we're told we're busy. We are a busy people, yes? Whether self-invented busyness with our phones or true busyness with our daily work, we as believers in Jesus Christ are called to Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Enough is enough, says our next guest, to lay things down. We're happy to welcome to the show uh, someone we saw on Christianity Today, Adam Gustine, who is the author of Becoming a Just Church, Cultivating Communities of God's Shalom. He joins us at the University of Notre Dame Institute for Advanced Study. He wrote a piece in CT, as I said, called Sabbath is Not a Luxury Good. Adam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Adam, 
I don't know, as I was reading your article today, I was thinking how hard it is for me to kind of look at myself or look at my culture because I'm, you know, the frog who's been, you know, slowly getting warmed by it. I mean, work, 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 work. Last night, interestingly enough, I I got home late. I I went out with some friends and uh, I came. It was 1030 at night. And I thought, you know what? I haven't worked tonight. I I should do some work. And so. I sat there at 1030 and I went to work and I didn't think anything of it. Um, And then when I when my alarm went off this morning, I thought something of it because I thought, why am I so tired? Probably because I was working from 1030 to midnight. Um, But that's just the pace of life that we that at least I'm immersed in. Tell me about you. I I don't think you're wrong. I think that, um, you know, the demands of the world that we live in hit all of us in different ways. But, you know, those kinds of similarities are there. The the pressure to perform, the pressure to produce. I think that's that's fairly common. If that's something we do to ourselves, if that's pressure we feel from, you know, people in particular, maybe it's our boss demanding those kinds of things, or just societal pressures. I, I definitely don't think you're alone there. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, if Sabbath is a stop sign that we blow through regularly, uh, you say, though, that Sabbath is an invitation to orient our lives around a different rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's true. I mean, it, it, Sabbath is, at least from our sort of modern American perspective, pretty countercultural. You know, there's so many forces that uh, tempt us to define our own value by what we can produce. And I think that Sabbath is actually calling that, like, mistaken belief into question, um, that that God has, God has, like, created this world for us to take delight in, and if that's true, then that frees us up to find our own value and worth in other things, uh, something that might be a little more what God had in mind from the beginning. Mm. So you say that to, that to you, you think that the Sabbath is God's invitation to say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And, so yeah, what, I mean, and so, I, what, so what is it, enough? What is enough? Enough of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Um, you know, there, there. I think that Sabbath is a reminder to us that there is like a moral limit to what our bodies can produce. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting is that the first time Sabbath is practiced in Scripture, God practices Sabbath first. Yeah. Um, and, and the interesting thing to me is that, you know, I've heard Sabbath talked about in various ways uh, my whole life. Uh, and, and it's always kind of framed as like recuperation time. Yeah. You know, we spend ourselves so much that we need a recuperation time. Well, it's interesting. If God is the first to practice Sabbath, I don't think that's because God needed to recoup. <laughs> right. You know? Um, right. I don't think that it's because He just needed God some time alone. A, exactly. It's not, it's not a physical limit, but it might be a moral one because it, it may be that, that there is something about refusing to rest that is a little bit of an idol of our own making. You know, it yeah. is a it is an indication that maybe we believe that God hasn't given us enough. You know, it's like the people of Israel in the Old Testament going out on the seventh day to try and find more manna when God has said, "I've given you enough on the sixth day." Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's like a baked in lack of trust that what God has given is enough. And I think that's where Sabbath is that reminder that enough is. Enough. You know, there's a couple of ways you can talk about enough, like when my son does just enough to pass a class. You know, that's like a bare minimum way of thinking about it. I think we're tempted to think about God's enough like that, 
but actually abundance, you might say, come over for dinner. We have more than enough. Mm. Uh, that doesn't mean that everybody's barely going to get fed. It means that at this table there is plenty. And I think mm. that's what Sabbath is a reminder of, that like when you stop, you can remind yourself that with God there is plenty. Mm. I love really that. Good. That is really Excellent. good. We're talking with Adam Gustine. He wrote a piece in Christianity Today, Sabbath is Not a Luxury Good. Adam, you know, in reading your piece, you talk about, uh, you know, Sabbath not necessarily like a solitary thing. Like I think of Sabbath, oh, I, I'm home on a Sunday afternoon, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. lounging on the couch and reading. But I, I, I'm old enough to remember the, what, what was in Pennsylvania called the Blue Laws. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, being a kid and walking through my small town in the business district and all the stores were closed on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. talk about this as the idea of, you know, um, Sabbath was not designed, you say, by God and for isolated individuals, but as a reset for the community. Yeah, that's great. I I think that's uh, super interesting. One of the things that I think maybe is underexplored is, um, you know, maybe many of us have heard about Sabbath and think about it similarly. I need a day during the week where I stop from work. But the more you think about that Old Testament notion of Sabbath, that one day in seven was actually kind of a reminder of this bigger idea related to Sabbath, where every, not every seven days, but every seven years, there was kind of a a reset for a society that like might drift out of whack over time. And, and, and they were all really interestingly connected to the idea of economics. So every seven years, debts would be forgiven. Uh, Every seven years, people that had become enslaved due to debts were released from those enslavements. And every seven years, fields were meant to be given a rest. You you shouldn't plant every seven years. And all of those have that same same sort of idea that, that I think God's trying to get through to us in that weekly Sabbath, where when God says, there's like a moral limit to what you should expect to extract from yourself, the same is true from like, the way we uh, take debts over people and the way that we try to extract from the land, there's this whole notion of like, no, we need to stop taking Mm. and allow ourselves to delight in what God has given Mm. us. The the layer that I think is a little bit different with this every seven years is that there seems to be, uh, at least in God's uh, perspective, this, this like admission that we're probably not going to get this right. And so while God doesn't need to recoup, uh, we do because we take too much from ourselves. You know, that's why the land needs a rest. That's why we need to forgive our debtors, because society-wide, we're going to take too much from the land or from these economically vulnerable folks. And that, that seven-year reminder is this idea that, that actually we do need to be restored because we've probably taken too much from ourselves and from others. Uh, which I think is a really interesting layer to the whole Sabbath oh, conversation. I never, th- I never th- looked at it that way, Adam. That is really interesting. So enough is enough. Um, too much of ourselves. Yeah. Too. Yeah. We've we've maybe given too much and taken too much. Both. Absolutely, and I think that that's that fundamental relational nature of the way that society is meant to be. And I think Sabbath is a reminder that God has an ideal way for communities to interact. That yeah, I can be taken from, and I can take too much from myself, but I might I might do that to others as well. And so the idea of 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 I'm going to forgive all these debts, 
what's interesting in those commands where it says to forgive debtors, it's not just to wipe it clean, but then to actually lavish that debtor with abundance from your storehouse because likely they fell into slavery or they fell into those debts because they were in economic peril. But if I give you out of my abundance, that actually restores you. You're not back to zero. You're mm-hmm. you're in the plus. You're able to participate in the community in a more human and authentic and relational way. So I, I definitely think that that the that the opportunity there with Sabbath is to imagine how we might live together in community the way that God intends. Well, that's fascinating. Okay, so this is a sort of Sabbath reset. You know, you're saying imagine uh, and to dare to build a world where enough is enough, and it's not just on Sunday, but Hollywood looked through the lens of a whole new creation if we had that Sabbath enough is enough in our lives in all the things we did, said, prayed, thought about, engaged with. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the the great uh, responsibility, but in some ways the great opportunity of being people of the kingdom of God is that, you know, Jesus comes and doesn't abolish the law. He fulfills it. He he lives it, and he enacts this new world in the midst of the old world where everything that God intends is coming to bear and coming to fruition in him. And then he charges his people with being hands and feet, give life to it, and imagine what it could look like to to be people who see the economically vulnerable restored, to be people who proactively take delight in God's creation abundance, uh, to, to, to say, you know what, we're going to not take and take and take and take as an act of belief and celebration that God provides everything that we need. That, to me, is a really invigorating charge for the people of God. Mm-hmm. What would it look like in our community to do things like this? What would it look like to extend that notion that God is abundant and God shares his abundance with us uh, to our neighbors in really creative, compelling ways? That to me is the idea. If Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, then I want to live every day like that, not just, you know, Sunday afternoon or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's so lovely. Yeah. So uh, looking at the Sabbath as a uh, we need a break from the world and the world needs a break from us. Uh, it's okay, but yeah, nah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so give me some concrete way. So let me back up and say that when, uh, when my husband and I married, uh, he said the Sabbath was absolutely vital for him. And I, to be honest with you, had never really thought about it. I knew it was a mm-hmm. commandment, but I was like, you know, whatever. I, I can't mm-hmm. tell you how formative that's been on our family, on, you know, raising our kids, everything like that. I mean, I, it's just, it's one, it, it's probably the single best thing I've learned from my husband over all these years is just the incredible value of it. Um, so I've changed by observing the Sabbath. I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. Our kids are different. Our rhythm of life is different. How has observing the Sabbath changed you? Yeah, to me, to me, it's. I think the the great possibility for for many things in the Christian life is that when God does work in us, it helps us see the world. It helps us see our neighbor with maybe a different set of lenses than we saw before. And so, you know, in taking the Sabbath seriously, even just you know, like this one day uh, in in seven idea. Uh, at, at our house, there are 
there are ways that, you know, our family tries to live into this in small ways. And this is not something we, we get perfectly. We certainly long for more of it. As you say, we feel the same pressures that everybody feels. But the interesting thing to me is that in the ways that this happens at our house, so we try to refrain from what might be crassly be called chores <laughs> on the Sabbath, and, and we let that rest because we don't have to attend to it. You know, like there are, there are enough hours in the week to attend to these other things. But, but what that does is, if I'm being honest, that sometimes that creates a little like anxiety in me when I'm not attending to all these things that are going on in my head. But when I say it creates an opportunity, it creates an opportunity to ask a really important question about why that creates anxiety in me. What is it that, that not working is, uh, is revealing uh, about the way that I think about my own value and what I'm, you know, I, am I really obsessed with production and that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And then I think in, 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 in a community, if, if I need a, a day a week to rest, to uh, be restored by God. I'm not alone. That's true for everyone. And yet I look across my neighborhood, I look across my community, and I see tired and hungry and haggard people that that don't have the quote-unquote luxury of taking a day off. I think the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to see the world and our own lives with different lenses. Adam Gustine, he is the author of Becoming a Just Church, Cultivating Communities of God Shalom. He works at the University of Notre Dame's Institute for Advanced Study. And uh, we're talking about a piece that uh, we saw in Christianity Today. Sabbath is not a luxury good. God designed weekly rest to be holy for all people. Adam Gustine. We've been talking a lot about Lent, which started on Wednesday, and of course, this being the first Friday of Lent, that means fish fry to anybody in the western Pennsylvania area. I feel badly for people who don't associate the two, right? There's an article uh, by Gretchen McKay in today's PG where she talks about that fact and the environment that we live in. She says that the Swissville Fire Department, for example, routinely sells upward of 800 fish sandwiches and 80 pounds of coleslaw every Friday during Lent. They're so excellent. I've had them. That's so incredible. Off the charts. St. Mark the Evangelist Parish regularly hosts 600 guests mm-hmm. in its church hall each week, along with 1,100 to-go orders. Nice. I mean, even avowed fish haters plan their Friday nights, she says, around the volunteer-led dinners. I haven't been to a fish fry for the last two years. Now's the time to go. Now's the time. Yeah. Clearly. So in the PG article, she lists virtually every fish fry. There every- are nearly 90 spots that are mentioned in this article. Outstanding. And they're comprehensive. They list, you know, the address, the phone numbers, the dates, what they feature. Uh, and it's not just fish, right? It's all over the map is what they offer. It is. So everything from the Swissville Fire Department, like she said, to the A.W. Uh, Beatty uh, Career Center, mm-hmm. to uh, churches, to the Croatian National Hall in the north side, to you name it, all over Pittsburgh. Lens underway. Grab your fish. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. 
And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings to you. Welcome along for the 5 o'clock hour of the Friday edition of The Ride Home. Kath? Happy to see you, John. Happy to see you, Is it too early in the day for me to tell you? Tell me what. Your weekend has begun. Fabulous. Thank you, sir. No, it is not too early at all. It's never too early for the weekend has begun. I think a lot of people have already started their weekend. Is that true? What do you say? Well, if you're in sales, you started it before noon today. I think a lot of people. People working from home have already started their weekend. Exactly. They're already in their pajamas all set for the weekend. I want to start off by thanking the many people who weighed in for, in our preborn campaign that mm. happened the last two days on the air. Uh, it was so terrific to hear from so many of you. So a lot of babies. Thank you, thank you, thank you um, for so much of that. Also, if you missed anything in our four o'clock hour, you can always contact our podcast, right? Mm. Wherever you get your podcasts. And coming up this hour, uh, really looking forward to talking to Dr. Toya Jones. She's going to talk about faith in the therapy and counseling profession. She's a Jubilee guest and uh, she's going to be on because Jubilee starts tonight at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. It is a conference for college students, but not just college students. Anybody can go. Uh, I have been, this is, I can't go this year, but this is only the second time since 1986 I have missed Jubilee. Get out of here. Since 1986? Can you believe that? Holy smokes. Yeah. What are you doing? It's so busy. Well, it's my daughter's birthday. Oh, okay. All right, why well, can't so, you get a pass there? Yeah, I right? feel like I have there you to. Go. Exactly. Happy birthday. I have thing. to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. So Jubilee, I'll be there. Yeah, you'll be there and on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a, there's a dinner, a Jubilee dinner, which is right. very interesting. Hope to be there and see a lot of old friends and make new friends. I just love the CCO, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, the excellence that they produce, especially for young college students to deepen their faith. Very, very good for all of us. And then after that, you can stop by at my house and get some birthday cake, nice. except that none of us can eat it because we all gave up dessert for Lent. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is what? This is day two. <laughs> day two. No, actually, day one and a half. Day one and a half. Okay. Let's not get right. carried away. Exactly. How are you doing with that? I'm, I mean, so far, so good. I mean. Yeah, I mean. That's 40 days. Mm-hmm. That's long. It is long. I miss it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good for us. I think so too. All three of us are doing the same thing. Yeah, and we decided on it independently. Right, exactly. How weird is that? It's very weird. Right. Maybe the three of us knew at heart we have a problem. Well, I know I do. Right. Holy I know smokes. I do. I went to the movies the, the day before um, Lent started. Yeah. I was. I, I took like a bag of sugar with me and <laughs> ate it while I was watching the like, movie. What, what were you eating? Oh man, I, uh, peanut M and M's, trail mix. Yeah. Um, uh, jelly bellies. A Coke. What? I mean, I, I, I told you it was like a it's, bag. Of, it's I was going like, to take you forty years or forty years, forty days for that to get out of your system. That's what I was hoping to push me through those forty days. Oh, yeah, I know. I was, I was going to give up the sugar. I'm going to go out with a bang. I went out for dinner last night, mm-hmm. and I was just about to order a Coke with oh. a lemon. At the last minute. Stop. Stop it. Stop. What you have instead? Club soda with lime. All right, that's fine. It's my standard. All right, good. It's fine. Excellent. Anyway, happy to have you along for uh, for the Friday edition. Very good. Oh, and at the end, bottom of this hour, it's Week in Review. Okay, good. What have we been talking about? Uh, what have we been listening to? Mm-hmm. Watching, reading, all those sorts of things. Very nice. We'll step away. We'll come back. Toya Jones is with us next. Friday edition of The Ride Home. From my own personal story, I believe that it hasn't been until recently that therapy, counseling, 
has slipped away from the stigma that a lot Uh of people applied it to, especially as Christians. And what does it mean as a Christian to go into therapy and interested in having a Christian guide you through that therapy? Dr. Toya Jones is with us from the University of Pittsburgh School of Social Work. She's assistant professor of a BASW program director, a person of faith. She will be at this weekend's Jubilee, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, where she will conduct a workshop on what it is to be in therapy. Toya, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Toya, I'm glad I'm glad you're here. And I think I echo what John said, because I remember when we first started our radio program, it was a real reach to talk about therapy, like to to say out loud, you know, I'm in therapy uh, for us to talk. Uh, people really recoiled. Yes. And it was mm-hmm. kind of seen at that point as like embracing some kind of secular science. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so what's your experience with that? Yeah, so, you know, uh, I grew up in a black church and a Baptist church. And so if you think the stigma was was pretty um, daunting around um, the city and around the state, uh, my goodness, you know, growing up in that environment, uh, we all know as Christians, you know, God will fix anything. Oh, well, he absolutely will. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> he helps to fix problems and issues through other people. He gives us gifts as therapists, and we are there. Yeah. We are Christians. Sometimes we're undercover, and sometimes we ha- we hold our flag high with our cross. But he gives us gifts and talent and helps us to help heal other people. And I do, rem- you know, I remember that. I probably was one of those people. And then I became a therapist and understood <laughs> that. You know, God works through science. He is the inventor of yeah. science. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Wait, so Dr. Jones, then you're saying this is also a, a racial thing as well? That it, as hard as it was to sort of sell therapy to white Christians, black Christians themselves recoiled even deeper? <laughs> well, that's my my one opinion of my one you know self. I don't represent all black sure. folks, but there there's such a you know a stigma that black folks don't go to therapy. Well, we absolutely do, and I see plenty of us in therapy. Um, but it it is that you know it's that belief that is deeply rooted that you know we don't talk about our business out in the street. Okay. You know, take that and join it with religion and faith and we believe you know all together as christians we believe that god you know um is the fixer of all problems and the healer of all things he is but nowhere in the bible does it say that we can't combine therapy and the gifts and talents that god gives us along with his scripture his healing power like where in the scripture does it say that nowhere so it's it's our own stigma it's our own upbringing that says you know, we, we can't seek any help outside of the church or outside of our home or grandma or auntie. It's just not true. And it's been passed down through generations. Yeah. I'm so pleased to see this generation. It's like, hmm, I think you all are getting it. Yeah. We can have it all. Well, one of the reasons I think maybe we're getting it, uh, and I'm not just talking about this current generation, but my generation, is because we got so desperate. We needed help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for me, I've, I've shared my story on the air multiple times, Dr. Jones, but I had a um, 
had a postpartum anxiety disorder that was so profound after my second child was born that I didn't have any choice but to go to therapy. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I had to make it. Oh, well, maybe it'd be good for me. Like it was an emergency situation. Um, And then through that and I went you know, every week for three and a half years, after I was in it for a good three months, I realized that what I was experiencing, yeah, I was having a lot of hormonal issues and all those sorts of things. But I just had a lot of stuff from Mm. my past, from my own character, from, you know, all of it that I, I just realized how far I had to go before I could even kind of think of myself as healthy. And then since then, I've just been so immeasurably grateful because my life changed at that point. Really, my relationship with God became real. It's not that I was faking it before, but I just don't think I was mature enough to be able to be honest with God about really hard stuff. Mm-hmm. So wait, so, so then all that then, Dr. Jones, there's a, is there a distinction? And I'm sure there is in some ways. People say, I'm going to go into therapy, but what about the difference between a, you know, a secular therapist as opposed to a Christian therapist? And, and how should you follow that road? That's a great question. But first of all, um, I commend you for going to therapy and knowing it was time to do that. You you just talked about the whole healing process and transformation. So I'm hats off and bravo to you. That's that's how we need to think about healing from inside and outside. Uh, you know, a secular therapy therapist versus a Christian therapist. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you don't know who your therapist is underneath all that and. Sure. I have found a nice little dance, a samba <laughs> of some type to, you know, perform or to deliver within the therapy room. Mm. I've been Christian. I love Jesus. And I and I present that in everything I say and do. My light will always shine. Even if I'm in a secular environment, it doesn't matter. God's light shines through me. Yeah. And so when you are looking for a therapist and picking a therapist, you don't necessarily have to go to the Christian pages. You can, and that's a way to go about it. But as a as a clinician, a trained clinician, I would advise more to look at the skills and look at the education. What is their background? What is your issue that you want to go and receive healing um, for? And then look at what their specialties are. So I'm a trauma expert and a trauma specialist. That's what I've studied. That's the type of therapist I am for over 20 years. You want to come to or you want to go to a specialist of trauma if you've gone through a traumatic situation or multiple trauma situations in your life. You don't want to go to um, a foot doctor (laughs) if you have a heart issue. Just to make it simple, you want to do the research. You want to call and ask questions. And listen, if that therapist is not right for you, you can pull out and go to another one. It's We are people. And so if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit, and it's okay. Mm, it's good. also okay to ask, what is your faith? What is your belief? Because you know we're, we're in here in plain clothes sometimes, and we're therapists without hanging the flag. And so we're, we're really open to say, well, yes, I'm a person of faith, or I have a strong spirituality. And then we can go from there. But it's not necessary just to look up, you know, specifically a Christian therapist. You might find us anywhere and everywhere. That's good. Mm-hmm. 
Dr. Toya Jones is with us. She's the University of Pittsburgh School of Social Work Assistant Professor. She's going to be speaking this week at the CCO's Jubilee Conference, which is happening downtown at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Uh, it is a conference for college students, but not just college students. So um, you are also general public welcome to attend. Um, Dr. Jones, I guess I want to ask you about people who are out there who have never gone to therapy and this recurring thing comes into their heads. I, I think I'm crazy. I, I think I'm maybe I'm I think I must be crazy. I remember thinking that over and over again before I went to therapy because my thoughts were so muddled. You know, I couldn't make sense of it. I it was I couldn't see what was up and and what was down. So if people are hearing us talk and they're thinking, I, I think I'm crazy, what would you say? <laughs> I I get this all the time from new clients. I came because I thought I was crazy. I feel crazy. This isn't normal, is it? And usually, you know, therapists, we normalize through symptoms. If, if you're sneezing and you have um, a headache and your sore throat and, and a runny nose, most likely you have a cold or the flu or something like that. Symptoms, you know, mental health and uh, mental health diagnosis, they have symptoms. We study the symptoms and we can hear it and say, it sounds like you're struggling with depression. It sounds like this might be anxiety. That is not labeling you. It is normalizing what you're going through so that you don't feel crazy. You're not crazy. You might have something crazy happen to you. Now that happens. <laughs> the pandemic was crazy. And a lot of us struggle through that. Therapists or pastors, whoever, we struggle through it and it made any pre-existing diagnosis like anxiety, depression, bipolar made it worse, but it didn't make you crazy. It, may, it means that you struggle through some things and you are struggling through some things and you, you need some assistance. You wouldn't carry a whole bunch of groceries up 11 flights of steps if you had a big crowd of people saying, I'll help you carry those bags. Mm. That's what it's all about. You know, going in and, t and telling your story, talking about what you are experiencing and allowing the therapist to coach you and to help you through that journey of healing. And you're not crazy. You just go, a lot of crazy stuff is happening. Yeah, that's good. Dr. Jones, can you comment on this? I, I see this often, <clears throat> especially with a younger generation where there's um, large companies on the internet where you would go in and do a, um, a five-minute consultation with a therapist. And then after that five-minute consultation, you're prescribed medication. Um, it seems to be a little off the, off the track for me, but I see especially a younger generation doing this, just a short little visit, and then all of a sudden you're hooked into some sort of medication. Now, I'm not anti-medication. I believe that talk therapy and medication also can be extremely valuable, but in some ways it feels as though people exploit um, medication with the absence of talk therapy. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, <laughs> we are a, a pill-pushing, take a Tylenol for every pain type of society. And, you know, visiting just just with my travels, visiting different countries and in Africa, and I noticed that people don't rush to medication quite like we do in America. You know, God bless us. But we, <laughs> we like our pill. <laughs> something hurts, something's uncomfortable, take a pill, take a medication. Yeah. And it's a billion-dollar industry. And so... Psychiatrists are who prescribe in the state of Pennsylvania. 
um, psychiatrists are are med, you know, they're doctors and um, they're they're medically trained to prescribe medication to whatever ails you. And and I'm so glad that you said that you do believe in medication and therapy. I do too. But my clients all you know, they know we're gonna we're gonna look at all the ways that can help heal, like sunshine and walks mm. and being around friends yep. and eating healthy and drinking water and, you know, things like that, playing with your dog and, you know, we, we look into all those things, music and art, you know, before we look at medication. Sometimes the situation is at a point where you need medication to help balance, get you back on track, and then you can be weaned off. Some have to take medication for the rest of their life, but whatever it may be, medication should not be the first thing that you do. Uh, you, you have to try other methods, and there's so many treatment models out there. There's so many different practices. There's so many different ways of healing and getting through your situation, and we know the most powerful treasure, which is Jesus Christ, so we can call on him for any model that we use and, and become whole again. So those are my personal beliefs on, on medication. I don't I don't knock it, but it's it's never the first choice. That's I good. agree with that. That's valuable. Yeah. So Dr. Jones, uh, as you came in and uh, as you exit, we uh, talked about you being at uh, Jubilee this weekend at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Um, you're going to do a workshop, yeah? Oh, I'm so excited about it. Uh, last year, uh, I was there, but as a singer. So I am a singer. Oh. Uh, uh huh. Nikki Porter is my sister, and she leads what? the whole. Wait, Nikki Porter's your section. wait is your is your is your genetic sister? My genetic older sister. What? <laughs> you know that no, I've been say, friends. I've been friends with your sister I'm, for like a more like fifteen years. Oh, but then you know how wonderful of a person she is. Are you Surely kidding is. me? Off She's outstanding. We have no idea. Isn't she? Isn't she? <laughs> And she didn't pay me to say any of that. No, she didn't pay me to say any of that either. <laughs> well, it never hurts. I'm the little sister. Let it be known. <laughs> Very we'll good. try to say the opposite. But no, I am so excited. Um, I sang last year. Now I'm singing this year too, but I get an opportunity to present. Uh, I'm, I'm just very excited. And I teach college students, so I, I get to merge my world oh, that's of awesome. being a Christian and being a professor. So I, I'm really excited, as you can see. I absolutely <laughs> love I, it. And I do I do a podcast. It's called Healing Overflow with Dr. Toy. And a lot of the topics that I talk about are social work topics and therapy topics. And I get to bring that. I feel like I'm bringing it to a live stage because most of my audience are college students on Pitt campus and also the surrounding area. So I get to talk about something outside and in the open to the students that I really believe. I wholeheartedly believe in it, and I hope it'll be really helpful to the to the students. Well, it's been a real pleasure to meet you. It really has and, been. And uh, I Thank hope you, things go super well this weekend. That's Dr. Toya Jones, University of Pittsburgh School of Social Work Assistant Professor and Speaker at this week's Jubilee. JubileeConference.com. We've had a spate of un- unseasonably warm weather here recently, and it looks like next week we'll continue that trend as well. Will it? Despite the uh, the cold and uh, snowy forecast today. Right. So it's like cold. It's, this is weird weather. Yes. Well, it's February. The, We're going to be on the boat here pretty soon. That's right. Just, <laughs> I'm telling you, we are moments away. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're going to leave it in an hour. You blow out of here. 
in an hour. Yep. Like the boat's leaving in an hour. I don't mean you and I are leaving the station. I right. mean the boat's leaving in an hour. Well, hopefully there's no traffic. Okay. Right. So um, nine home maintenance tasks for your February to-do list. Uh, I take the dog out. Here's my, here's my dog thing. I take the dog out in the yard in the morning. We spend considerable time out there. A, okay. good, a good 20 minutes. And then in the evening, I'll take the dog for a walk whenever I'm home. But when I'm outside right now, man, there's a lot of cleanups to do. And what I see is a lot of dead tree branches. And I mm. think it's really time to prune. I've got a lot of stuff that I know needs to be cleaned up. And, of course, you see it so easily now whenever the skeleton of the trees present themselves. And I clear, oh, that's a dead branch. That's a dead branch. I don't want to climb up on no, that. No, of course not. Right? But no. I know it needs to be done. So uh, the Washington Post is saying, now's the time. On winter storms, broke branches in your trees or shrubs, a warmish February day when rain is not in the forecast for at least 24 hours, now's a good time to prune. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But one thing I thought was interesting from this article that I did not know, and of course we can ask Doug Oster about this when he joins us next week, but pruning, you should prune on a day when it's going to be sunny. Because if you prune just before a rain, it increases the chance of the tree becoming infected through those fresh wounds. What? Really? Yeah. Just a little bit of rain. Just a little bit of rain. Hmm. I was looking at my tree. tree. I've got a tree in my driveway where at least 10 years ago, a friend of ours was backing his car down, a truck down the driveway and smashed into the tree and left a huge dent in the base of the tree. And I always thought, well, that tree's good. But it's recovered, although you can see the... The, the dent dent's in it? still there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The friend's not here, but the tree dent is. <laughs> the tree is. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. So what about things like, do you have gates or do you have a walkway or anything that has like maybe tree roots have popped it up mm-hmm. or maybe the cold weather has mm-hmm. caught, do you have that? I do, but I don't like uh, in my driveway, there's a large tree like right next to the driveway that has lifted the sure. stones yep. up. What am I going to do with that? How, how you get, you can't fix that. What, I'm going to chop the tree down? Well, no, well, there's something you should do about like it, though, what? don't Nothing. you think? No, no. What am I going to do? Avoid it is what I'm going to do. <laughs> Probably. If, <laughs> I don't feel like avoiding it's going to solve well, the that's problem. Well, that's what I'm doing. Okay. So my husband was just talking yesterday about like getting ready to mow. I'm glad he brought that up because I was, I was like, thinking about that as well. Oh my God. No, no. It's right. That's a guy thing. Uh, or that's a, whoever's the mower in your family. Yeah. That's, I, I guess, what you think about. I've got two mowers. I've got a uh, you know, self-propelled mower and my riding mower. Now, at the end of the season, I take the battery out of the riding mower and put it on a little you know, charger thing. So I, I know in a month or so that battery's in good shape. But meanwhile, that riding mower and your, and your push mower, they, they require some maintenance. Yeah, I'm. I like it. I'm good. I think that's great. Yeah, I like I'll say again publicly that <laughs> never in my life have I mowed the lawn. That's fine. You don't have to. Okay. Some thank people you. do. Some I people never don't. That's fine. I just never have. You're not missing out on anything. No. Believe me. But you know what I'm doing hmm. is I'm composting even as we speak. Oh, really? You know, I've been composting since last year when Doug Oster talked me right, into it. Right. Right. And by the time it's March or April, you know that the, we're. I'm going to put that compost on my flower beds. The growing season. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nice. I was thinking, have you ever grown sunflowers? Speaking of flowers. No. I have. Yeah. There's nothing more beautiful. I know. They're so beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think you should plant I can't, a couple. I can't plant anything. Oh, because the, the deer are going to eat it? Seriously. If I was jacking the beanstalk, the deer would eat the beanstalk. <laughs> I know. I would never get up there. No. But in your yard, you know, you're, you can, have some deer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Plant some sunflowers. Okay. They're so lovely. They are so beautiful. Really, and it's a very simple thing. And you can start them from seeds. Yeah. 
That's a good idea. But Doug Oster would chime in on okay. that. Okay. Right. Also, cold days present the chance to get some dings and scuffs on your walls worked out. Mm-hmm. So get yourself a magic eraser, yeah. which I love. I usually uh, use those to clean my tennis shoes. The magic, oh yeah, sure. Uh, the magic eraser, but use it for its original purpose. I which like this. Is fix the walls. Isn't it shocking how used to? Yes. You get it. Yes. And you don't recognize it. Yes. And then you think, what have I been thinking? How, right. How did I not notice how terrible this is? Like looked? there's a bucket of dirty water yes. and you think, how about this? Doorknobs in the house. When's the last time you cleaned the doorknobs? The I'm word just, never comes to Well, mind. I'm just saying. You want to clean something and feel really good about the dirt that you're going to get off that? The doorknobs, I mean, holy smoke. I did that, you know, maybe like, uh, I don't know, the end of last summer. I walked around with a big rag and a bucket of soapy water, and I, within an inch of their lives, of course they're not living, I cleaned those doorknobs. Filthy. Disgusting. Wow, that's- Highly a, recommended. That's upsetting. Mm, it's just good to do. All right. What about the closets? This is another thing the Washington Post brings yep. up, and I hate the closets in my house. Because they're little closets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like just people a, had three shirts and a pair of pants. Exactly, and they're just annoying. They're they're incorrectly shaped. Yeah. you can't get the right. It's it. Mm-mm. I know. I, I know. I, you and I love old houses, but boy, no. old house closets are bad. You like you watch the home shows, and people have like this massive closet for their shoes, or they have yeah. like a closet that's as big as your bedroom. Exactly. You think really? I could live there. I. That, okay, but the because they're small. I have to clean my closet all the time. That's a good discipline. I always clean my closet. There's not a lot closet. of clutter in there. No. Mm. Well, I... <laughs> Sorry. Because I end up throwing things in there because I don't want to look at mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. You know I don't have a, a door in my closet? Mm-hmm. I, have one, I have one of those, too. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no door. Yeah. What do you have? What do you have? Do you have anything there? No. That covers it? Oh, I do. Oh, do you? Oh, look at the drape. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> Which is all not really great. I know. Well, of course not. Heaven help us. That's just very annoying. All right. What about the medicine cabinet? Yeah. How about like when you go in the medicine cabinet and pull out one thing and thirty other things fall right, <laughs> fall or what? Out? And all and twenty eight of them are expired. Right. Exactly. I yeah. think this this weekend after the frivolity mm. is over, when yeah. we're having a birthday party. I think I'm going to just just do a little. Look, see, yeah. is what's going on in the medicine cabinet and ditch things That's that are fine. expired. But it, I feel good about that. You're going to like take control of that and, and there's no group consensus because, you know, in our house, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second. That little, you know, pad I was going to use for X. Or, oh, right, uh, no, I'm, I'm taking just, I'm taking charge of it. I'm not even asking. And then before you know it, someone's going to get sick and they're going to go, where is that thing? Probably. And you're like, it's in the trash. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sick of looking at it. Cleaning is I'm fraught. I'm sick of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just a couple things. Check out today's Washington Post for some home maintenance tasks for your February to-do list. I get busy. It's been another week. That means it's time for John and Kathy's Week in Review. What was everyone talking about this week? The Kansas City Super Bowl shooting. Mm-hmm. That horror, once again, the debacle. A, a million people out in celebration and some coconuts with guns go out there and just ruin it for everybody. And people are killed. Children are shot. It's horrible. It it's is horrible. horrible. It is. We'll be having this conversation forever I know, and ever I know, and ever. I know. It's like we'll never, ever figure out yep. a way to solve this problem. Yep. Um, well, prior to uh, the shooting, I think people were talking about the He Gets Us spot at the Super Bowl. Oh, boy, were they ever. 
that engendered a lot mm-hmm. of conversation. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, pitchers and catchers reported this week, so people mm-hmm. are talking about the Pirates. Excellent. Let's go Bucks. What was a conversation that made you think? Um, Josh Rodriguez. Oh, from Trinity Seminary? Yeah. How to Study the Bible, Tuesday at 5.15. What... It seems so complex, but mm-hmm. the way that Josh broke it down, yeah. there's just a guide. I wish that, I wish, <laughs> I know this is true, but in every Bible, there should be a guide. Right. Before yeah. you freak out, yeah. here's what you here's should follow. What, here's how, how you should look I at it. I love that conversation. Yeah, I did too. Um, I picked Monday at 5.30 though, speaking of, uh, mm. this was our conversation about the He Gets Us thing. Yeah. Um, about the spots. Mike Cosper was on the show, and Mike Cosper is the one who put together the enormously, phenomenally popular uh, Mars Hill podcast. Uh, it was really cool to talk to Mike and see what he thought about the ads. People are hot about those ads. Yeah. As though they were heretical yep. and how dare they. He gets us. But the fact of the matter is, they were not necessarily for us. No, they're not for us. Right? They're not for Christians. And I, I mean, I get. That it's not the whole gospel? I get that. But, but what man. what are you going to say in 30 seconds that is? I don't know. Anyway. What are you reading? I'm still reading Heaven, Hell, and Purgatory, a Protestant yeah. view of the cosmos. Uh, Jeremy Walls is the author. It's excellent. Okay. I've been thinking about this for a long time. I mean, how do we look at heaven and hell? And is there purgatory? I mean, some people believe that there is. It's a... It's a deep dive, mm-hmm. and so I'm taking great comfort in being on this journey about heaven and hell. Good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of journey, I'm still reading Paris by Edward Rutherford, but uh, we just hit the 60% through mark. Wait, when you came in today, were you listening to uh-huh. it? I thought so. <laughs> Why did you? I heard was... something, and I was like, oh, that's that Paris book. Yeah, do you know one of the one of the French kings? I think it was Louis... Oh, I think it was Louis the Thirteenth. Do you know he had a strange medical condition where, when he was somewhere around fourteen years old, he started growing a second set of teeth. What? Mm-hmm. Whew. Thank God for medical science. Huh? Mm. A second set of teeth a on top of, of his other teeth? teeth, and so for all of his all of his life, he had two, two sets, sets of teeth. Uh huh. Really? And he developed a stutter because of it. Because no there, doubt. there's like imagine all that going on in oh, your mouth. What the heck? Terrible. What did you eat? Super Bowl wings. <laughs> we made a ton of Super Bowl wings on the grill, and they were fabulous. So much so that we ate our fill on Sunday, and on Monday, I looked forward to leftover wings. Excellent. I think, what? They're pretty bad for you. Yeah, they are pretty right? bad I think for you. I'm eating and thinking, why don't I do this more often? Going, yeah, well, they are pretty bad for you. Right. But boy, that was really good. That's awesome. Loved it so much. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a wing in a long time. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. a wing. Um, I was at Tesoro's. On Wednesday what? night. Mm-hmm. You went to Tesoro's? Yep. On Wednesday night, uh, Valentine's Day, I took a friend. My husband was working. Uh, music, a lot of musicians work on Valentine's Day. And so I took a friend out. And, and uh, How was it? Outstanding. Not to be disappointed. It was great. That is such it's good It's some of the best potato salad in the, mm, in the city of Pittsburgh. I agree. I have to say that. Yep. Uh, yeah, I had, a, a, bacon, I had a bacon cheeseburger. Yes, you did. Blue it cheese? Was, no, I, I went with cheddar. Mm-hmm. But I loved the bake. It was just mm. exactly what the doctor ordered. How was the crowd? Uh, good, great. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Oh, Valentine's, you're oh, out. My gosh, I was so glad to be there. Oh, you went to Tesoros. Mm. I get, yeah, I get burger envy. Best burger in town. It's excellent. No question. The pride of Bloomfield. It sure is. Mm-hmm. What did you watch? 
Went to the movies this week, and mm. my wife and I, like, we do this all the time. You know, oh, the Oscars are coming up. So, of course, we love movies. We watch movies all the time. But then the Oscar, like, you know, the ballot comes out, and then we go, what did we miss? So, what you know, oh, these are recommended. So we went and saw a film called American Fiction. Um, it is a um, it is an African-American movie. Uh, the story is about um, a, a black author, um, and He's largely forgotten, passed over. He writes serious pieces of work, and he's somewhat successful. He's an educator as well. But then he uh, goes to this conference, and there's a book reading by uh, a young black author who has written in, for lack of a better phrase, ghettoese. Mm. And the book is hugely successful, and he, he scoffs at it. And he's mad. And he's like, that is like a complete and total misrepresentation of black life in America. But there are people, there are, you know, the, that black author, she's making a mint, you know, sort of selling this thing, this, this narrative. And I'm trying so hard to make literature. Right. So in protest, he sits down one night and he writes his own black novel. And he sends it off to his agent and says, I wrote this in protest. And, and the, and the uh, agent says, I'm going to send this thing out. And he's like, don't send that out. It was just meant for me to blow off steam. Anyway, long story short, the agent sends it out. It gets picked up immediately, becomes a bestseller. But meanwhile, the, the author, he doesn't want to be associated with it. So he creates a persona of like, I'm, um, I'm a in, former incarcerated man. And this is my horror story of what it is to grow up black. Then it gets picked up by a film studio. And they, want to f- they give him a $4 million advance. But he's like, all of a sudden, he's wealthy and pseudo famous who he is not. And how does that work? in his life. That sounds really good. It was interesting. I liked it, but I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, it's well worth a look. Anyway, the, uh, the, uh, the, the actor, Jeffrey Wright, fantastic. Really a fine performance, but a really weird story. Yeah, huh. check it out. American fiction. Okay. Uh, well, this week, speaking of looking at awards, um, the bear swept uh, the Emmy Awards mm-hmm. this year. Yep. And I had only seen season one, which I absolutely loved. But I decided this weekend to uh, watch season two. And the thing about The Bear is each episode is only about 30 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So you can get through them really quickly. Anyway, I I watched the whole thing and I have to say that I think it could be the best TV show I've ever seen. Get out. That is how outstanding. Uh. I thought the first season was good. I'm telling you, the second really? season is you have to watch the first season so you get to the second season. But some of it is so lovely and some of it is so painful. Yeah. It's what an accomplishment. No I, I can't say enough good things about is it. Is it Hulu? It's Hulu. And it has incredibly terrible language. I've so watched one it, episode. But it. Two. I, it will tear your heart out okay. with the, with how beautiful it is. All right. Well, on that recommendation, I'll go back. Because I watched two episodes and I was like, I've kind of lived this thing. Exactly. I don't necessarily want to exactly. go back. I, you know, for lack of a better, I got triggered, which I hate that phrase. Right. But I, felt, I was watching it going, yes. The kitchen, inside the bowels Isn't of a that professional something? kitchen. Yeah, it is something. It is something. <laughs> yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. No, it isn't. Yeah. What was the best news you heard this week? Well, you said it already. Pitchers and catchers report. Yes. I mean, yes. whenever I hear that, pitchers and catchers report, they are playing baseball in Florida. And here it is, you know, middle of February. Yep. It's snowy. It's cold. It's disgusting. But hope springs eternal. I love it. 
Right? I mean, the Pirates. I'm okay. so excited about it. Me too. It's I coming. am. I just am. Opening day is not that far away. Right. I'm holding tickets. And so I look forward to it once again mm-hmm. to suffer along with the Bucks. Okay. Baseball. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Uh, I'm super excited. It's my daughter's birthday. Excellent. So she's coming back from college and we're going to have a party on Saturday. Uh, the other thing I'm excited about is Jubilee Conference is going on this mm-hmm. weekend. Very I'm not good. going to be able to be there, which is unusual for me, but I'm still very excited that that's the thing that Pittsburgh is offering. Outstanding. What have you been listening to? Well, of course, it's the beginning of Lent. And so I go into a, a sort of a Lenten playlist. And Fernando Ortega, one of my favorites, this voice is so beautiful, and his praise and inquiry music is excellent. Listen to this. one of my favorite hymns. Is it? I never said that to you, but that's one of my favorite hymns. Isn't that a beautiful song? So simple and so powerful. I love that. Well, I've been taking encouragement from this song. All right. Well, the weekend truly is here, and we're going to be just in a few minutes headed down to the uh, to the boat. To the boat. All right. Tonight's the Word FM Valentine cruise, and John and I will be your hosts. Lexi will also be there managing all the details. With a special guest. Lexi will be there with a special guest? Kenny Woods. Get out! Mm-hmm. Yeah, told me. 
the show. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Woods are going to be there. This is going to be a super mm-hmm. fun night. So yeah. if you've already got your tickets, then we look forward to seeing you soon. We certainly do. Okay, so if you're looking for things to do uh, this weekend, you may have seen the billboards. This is the uh, weekend for the Pittsburgh International Auto Show, mm-hmm. the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. We did When our kids were little, we went every year. Yeah. Because my kids were a car obsessed. They were two young boys. And you go and you wander around. You get to sit, sit in the new in the, cars. Right. Nobody bothers you and goes, hey, can I offer you a deal or something like that? It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, so highly recommended down at the convention center all weekend long. Kids under six get in free. It's pretty exp- inexpensive, 6 to $12 or something like that. Um, what else is happening? Oh, uh, Phipps Conservatory and Botanical Garden unveils their new show this weekend, Tropical Forest Hawaii. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it runs until uh, springtime and... Uh, of course, you're a fan of the uh, the Phipps. Are you kidding? I'm mm-hmm. a member. Yeah, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kelly Strayhorn Theater, Saturday night, When Doves Cry, a Prince tribute concert. Uh, kind of cool. Uh, a guy by the name of Dwayne Fulton, who's a Pittsburgh composer. He'll, it's a night dedicated to the many hits of uh, Prince's career. A lineup of local vo- vocalists and musicians will perform those songs like uh, Little Red Corvette, 1999, Purple Rain, and more. Wear your fabulous purple gear to get ready for a terrific night. Kelly Strayhorn Theater, 20 bucks to get in uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Point Park is uh, producing um, a show uh, down at the uh, new theater as well. Um, and it's the uh, Lillian Hellman play. I uh, hope you stop by and see that. Also, uh, Beauty and the Beast at the Benetton Center, uh, the ballet, Pittsburgh Ballet. This is an old, oh, old ballet yeah. from the 1756 yeah. book. Yeah. It's an iconic piece. So a, a lot going on in and around the city of Pittsburgh. Will Angela Lansbury be there? Mm, I don't no, think no, so. No, certainly not. The Rango's Giant Cinema presents Cities of the Future on the largest movie screen here in the city of Pittsburgh as well. All right? That sounds like fun. Yeah. All right. Have yourself a great weekend. And see for those of you that are going to be on the boat, see you soon. <laughs> The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.